Hi guys, welcome back to Real Radiant. I'm Morgan, your host, and I'm so happy to be back on the mic with you guys like always. I hope everyone has been having an amazing week so far. I have been having a great week and I'm super excited for you guys to hear this episode. I'm joined by Amy Smith. She and I met in one of the classes that I'm in here at CU Boulder. She was a guest speaker and it's this professional business plan development class where, and it's actually a really fun class and we all came up with these business ideas we voted on which ones like the top 10 broke off into groups and then now in our groups we're making business plans for all of these business ideas and developing pitches and then we're pitching it in front of judges so it's actually it's actually a pretty fun class a lot of group work and collaboration and I always love that so but yeah she was a guest speaker in this class and I just really liked her story and what she had to say she is was very transparent about not having a very linear path straight out of college and I always love hearing the stories of people who did not have it all planned out figured out know exactly like what they wanted to do from the time they were six years old you know like I think we all know a person like that which is so admirable and awesome but to be realistic most people aren't like that you know like we don't all know what we're gonna do and I just loved what she had to say and she's like just a prime example of making changes making changes in your career and just going with it and learning as you go and I just love that and I think that you guys will love everything that she has to say on this podcast we talked a lot about some really interesting topics like mentorship feeling undervalued at work creating boundaries for yourself at work all which I think are really important topics especially if you're in the age of making that sort of transition in your life where you're moving into your career and transitioning from school to your career so I think there's a lot of valuable lessons to be learned in this podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, Morgan. I'm so happy to be here. Glad I could join you. Thank you. Me too. I love asking people when they come on, what is one quote or piece of advice that they've heard that's really changed their perspective on things like life, jobs, relationships, things like that, just to kind of get the conversation going. So what's one for you that's really changed your perspective? Sure. Um, And anyone who's ever worked for me, if they were listening, they'd probably giggle at this, but um, a mentor of mine and um, one of my managers um, many years ago, told me words matter, Amy. Um, And we had a conversation around the intentionality of our words, whether it was, you know, spoken word or written in a report, just how important our words can be in reflecting our true intent and, um, and the way they make other people feel and what they make them, uh, what they help them to understand or not. So um, thank you to Ward Hamilton from Zoe Medical Corporation, one of my favorite sayings um, still to this day. I love that. I think it, it kind of plays into when we're kids, we hear the phrase sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But I think like, as we get older, we've quickly realized that words do have a big impact and they play a huge role in how you treat other people, how you perform at work, in life, everything. So I I love that. Yeah, exactly. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what you do, and how you've kind of gotten to where you are now. Okay. Um, Like the the long, windy story that is um, my background. So um, maybe I'll start with a snapshot of where I'm at. So 
Um, I am um, currently the Chief of Staff and Senior Director of Transformation and Ops in the small and medium-sized business uh, unit at Indeed. Um, I just actually started this job uh, just a couple of months ago. I just wrote my 60-day review. <laughs> and um, yeah, but I have had a long and twisty road that has brought me here Um I started my um, career um, in the healthcare field. Um, so I, in college, after experimenting with many different majors, um, I landed in a kinesiology major and thought I wanted to go do work in that space. And so for me, that meant um, cardiac rehab and supporting um, people in that journey of um, getting back to health after a cardiac event um, and improving their health and their health situation. And so I did that for a couple of years right out of college and I loved working with the people. Had a great time. I enjoyed making a positive impact um, in their trajectory and helping comfort them through what was certainly a very um, scary time probably in their healthcare journey. Um, and helping them find strength to be able to do the things that they were worried they wouldn't be able to do comfortably. Um, but, you know, it, while there was a lot of goodness in that role, it wasn't my meant to be. Um, and I was missing something. And I also um, love to ski and snowboard. And I was not making enough money to be able to ski and snowboard as much as I wanted to. So frankly, um, I needed to find um, I needed to find a better fit for me that also would support you know my personal interests. Um, and so I was looking for other opportunities that had greater upward mobility. And um, so after a couple of years of that, I ended up um, I was living here in Denver, and you know, there's a lot of um, movement uh, at the time around the tech industry and the startup industry. And um, so I went back and did some postgraduate study in computer science um, for about a year. And then I found myself a job um, working at a startup here in the Boulder area um, doing software deployments for them. Um, their product uh, was um, software for, or still is, it still exists, software for emergency medical services. Um, so EMTs, paramedics, um, that pre-hospital care, which was so great. It was um, you know, an opportunity for me to bridge what I had been doing in that healthcare space um, and my understanding of the healthcare space with a new role in technology, um, working with the software, installing, configuring, training people on how to use it. And so I made a shift there uh, into that space, which was um, exciting, but also a little bit terrifying. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, as I worked in that role after, um, you know, about a year and a half, um, I had found success um, uh, because of what I had learned about engaging people um, in my roles at, in cardiac rehab. 
um, I apparently I had something like there was a spark there. So um, about after uh, about a year and a half into it, um, I was approached by some of our leadership team who said, listen, you're doing a really great job. You really understand our product deeply um, and you're doing a great job. And we wonder if you would like to come and take on some responsibility around managing the product and helping our engineering teams internally identify and connect with what the customers need and want externally. Um, and so I shifted into, at that point, into a product management role. And then that became my life's work for the next um, 12 or 13 years um, and beyond, um, where I, um, you know, started to grow a career in product management, um, which was really exciting. It gave me an opportunity to, again, um, build on the skill sets that I had already established uh, when I was working in the healthcare space around interacting with people and communication and all of that. Um, but then I learned a lot of new skills, um, right? Like decisioning matrices and how to prioritize features and how to decide um, what's going to create the greatest return on investment for our engineering effort um, and improve our ability to reach more customers and um, ensure long-term retention of those customers in our product base. Um, so I did that for a long time and then I was looking for another change um, and I shifted into the venture market space, um, venture capital market space and went to work for a company called Techstars, um, which is both a venture capital firm, but also has an operating business um, and runs accelerators for early stage startups. But I didn't do product there. Um, I did a little bit of product, but it, we didn't have a software product or a hardware product as I was uh, familiar with when I worked at um, Zoll. And, um, and so I, I started working on service delivery and process management and a lot of more operational uh, mm -hmm. focused functions. Um, and what I found is I could apply all of the frameworks or most of the frameworks I used as a product manager to help me through those decision processes for how to design better processes, to deliver our, our, um, our programming, to meet the needs of our partners and all of the rest. And um, that was a lot, a lot of fun. And um, one of the reasons why I took the role as a chief of staff at Indeed was to continue to build my operating muscle. So I continue my windy, curvy journey um, as someone who has been a worked both in the healthcare space, been a product professional, but is now still continuing to um, expand my operating um, and business uh, management functions and skills. Yeah. That's a long road, but it seems like everything that you, like all the different transitions that you made really led you to where you are now. And to go back to kind of like how you were after graduating college and because that's a big transition period. And a lot of people that listen to this podcast are going through that period. They're in that age range where they're starting something new or they're in the point of their lives where they're making big changes. And when you were in that period of your life, did you have a lot of fears come up about maybe making the wrong choice in terms of what career path to take, uh, comparing yourself to your peers? What, what was going through your head then? Um, all of the things. Um, yeah, in my, um, in my, my college, um, 
career, <laughs> I did not know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Grew up. Um, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, um, which is why I continue to shift. But no, I had a lot of insecurity while I was in school if that was the right thing. I started in engineering thinking this will be great. If I have an engineering degree, I'm certain I'm going to be able to find a great job and I'm going to be able to do well in the world, but I didn't love engineering. Um, so I ended up in the kinesiology major in the college of education, and I loved what I was studying, but I didn't really know what that was going to mean as a career. And so at what, you know, I said earlier, like, and what that meant for me was cardiac rehab. I didn't realize that that's what it meant for me until like, you know, maybe a couple of months before I graduated. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't have a grand plan, didn't know what my long-term strategy was. And I was very intimidated by my peers who did have a grand plan and had started their college career with an end goal in mind and had been working towards that goal the entire time. And um, so I, there was a lot of trepidation entering the workforce um, and wondering if I was going to be able to support myself, which I found out that was like, yes, you can support yourself, but maybe not uh, to the degree you might like to be. So um, yeah, I felt all of those feelings um, and wasn't sure where I was going to go. I think I've felt all of those feelings every time I've made a, um, a significant change in my trajectory, whether it was in my um, major uh, at college or in my different roles inside of the company at Seoul. Was I? What is product management like? What do you want me to do? What am I? What am I going to do? Am I going to be any good at this? Um, and so I've I have um, encountered those feelings through all of the stages, um, but it's worked out. Uh, so I, I I now try to lean into that feeling. Like, okay, what is it that I'm trying to learn here? What do I want to take away from this experience? And I'll use it as one of my building blocks going forward. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense that usually like when you were going through those big changes, that's when you felt yourself experiencing most of those feelings of, you know, comparison, feeling like you're making a mistake or something like that. But I think those are the times where you really make the biggest and most impactful decisions of your life that lead to the greatest change. And like always, we always have a resistance to change. And so throughout all of those periods and like everything that you've learned from it. Is there anything that you would want to tell people going through that transition phase or those big changes right now that you wish you had known? Yeah, I think, um, well, listen, like, uh, don't be afraid of the change, mm -hmm. but recognize, I mean, like, I don't need to tell any of you all this, right. Change is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, be, um, be cognizant that change is going to be hard and um, recognize that going into it. 
but also, you know, like don't focus necessarily on the challenge of the change as much as the opportunity that it's going to bring you. It took me a few iterations before I figured out, like, I got to stop worrying about what I'm struggling with right now. And I need to start thinking about how I want to turn this into my next opportunity or my learning from this experience. Mm -hmm. And when you start leaning in in that way and looking at the you know, your opportunity um, to grow, to learn something new, you know, maybe to fail and learn something new. Um, that's sort of when you, you can sit um, a little bit more comfortably in the challenge of that change. Um, the one thing I would also say is like, just like seek more mentorship. I have had some tremendous mentorship through my career, but not until, you know, midway through my career. Um, in those early days when I was in college and when I was starting out in the world, I didn't seek out mentorship. I didn't build um, connections with people who I felt could mentor me or who I was interested in learning from. And I have found such value in that um, through, you know, the latter part of my career, being able to brainstorm and get other people's perspective. And even if I think their ideas are crappy, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like, but, you know, like think about them and, you know, set them aside. Like that's definitely not what I want to do, or that's definitely not what I want to take from this experience. Mm -hmm. um, finding mentors, I think would have been the thing I would have changed the most. I would not change my windy curvy path because I've, it's brought me to where I am and I'm very happy with where I'm at, but I think I would have changed the, you know, seeking out more mentorship earlier on. I would have had an opportunity, I think, to be more intentional mm -hmm. about how I went through that change and maybe felt a little bit more comfortable in it during those early parts of my career. Yeah. So how do you recommend people go about finding mentors? Cause I know that there's a lot of hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. It's hard to connect with somebody like that. And you, you want to find someone that you connect well with and that you get along with and you just share similar values or beliefs on things and like career trajectory and things like that. So how do you recommend that people go about finding someone? Um, you have to you have to talk to a lot of people, um, mm -hmm. as it turns out. Um, I got lucky at Zoll midway through my career in that I had been working with a couple of great individuals who um, were part of my management structure and they became my mentors. And so I got lucky in that way. Um, what I, what I would have done, what I wished I had done earlier is I wish I had reached out and networked with other people um, who were in similar lines of work, um, working at the company just to say, hey, what do you do? What are you working on? And learn more about that. Um, it's exactly what I've spent a lot of my time at Indeed in my first 60 days doing is scheduling, introduction, virtual coffees, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. with all sorts of people across the organization to introduce myself, to get to know them, but also to learn what they do in the business and and, and through that process, I have already found a couple of people who I know are going to be um, strong, um, 
centers of gravity for me and are going to be able to provide me with good insight, not only in the job that I am doing, but to think about how I want to continue to grow at Indeed. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think you just need to reach out and talk to people. Also, when you think about a mentor, um, mentors aren't always older or more accomplished or seasoned, um, but they've gone through something. So some of my mentors are my peers um, because they're going through something similar, but from a different vantage point. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a manager type person, um, but you need to talk to a lot of people because you're not always going to find them on the first, the first go around. So would you recommend finding like, say we graduate college, we get a job, like just first time, maybe at your first job after college and stuff, just that be one of your first kind of personal goals is to find a mentor within the company. Absolutely. So depending on what company you go to work for, you might go to work for a company that has a mentorship program. Um, you might get assigned a mentor you don't like, you might get assigned a great mentor. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. I think that is, um, that is a positive first step for your professional development. Um, but don't just limit yourself to connecting inside of your company. Maybe there's a, a, a trade conference or a adjacent networking conference to the work you do in those pockets and opportunities. If you get a chance to extend yourself into them, you might find your mentorship there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. And just to kind of go back to more of the career changes, switching from one career to the next, when you were noticed that you needed to make that change, were there specific kind of like red flags that came up telling indicators saying, oh, I need to change. I need to do something different. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I mean, the first red flag was I wasn't able to do all of the fun things that cost money <laughs> yeah. I wanted to do. So that was a red flag. But, um, you know, later in my career, some of it was I just be, um, became bored. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of times I became bored. I was like, okay, I got this. I get this. And um, my engagement level dropped because it wasn't as challenging for me. That's just who I am. That's how I operate. And so for me, that was a flag to like, okay, how can we, how can you go up your ante, stretch yourself, find that challenge and that sweet spot that's going to help you feel more engaged with the work. And I did that several times when I was at Zoll as a product manager, stayed in the product management track, but changed products, um, changed customer groups, grew my responsibility as a manager. Um, all of those things um, were allowed me the opportunity to continue to grow on that path, but, you know, sort of satisfied my need to have um, some friction in my process, if you will. Um, and for other, for other scenarios, it was just like, I needed a change. I needed a fresh perspective on work and the world. And, um, you know, in some cases was looking for a different type of growth opportunity that my management team wasn't able to support me in. And so you have to think about what's important to you. And one of the things that I've learned later in this process that I think would be super helpful for anyone who's listening is, you know, year to year, think about what your must haves are at work, right? Like what do you need to have in your career and what is a, you know, deal breaker? 
um, for some people it's compensation for some people it's um, a culture and a way of working inside of a business um, for some people it's balance and the ability to have flexibility in their work so that they can do other things because they don't want to be defined by their work mm -hmm. um, but if you have clarity to what your must-haves are um, and they change and they should change over time as you grow in your career um, it makes it a lot easier to recognize those those flags before they become red flags. So maybe you can correct them internally or you can correct them through changing your approach to work. Um, it doesn't always have to lead to a job change. Mm -hmm. So going back to what you said about having a must-haves, how would you recommend somebody create strong boundaries around those and actually sticking to sticking to their must-haves and telling their employer, like, if I don't have this, then then this job isn't going to be an option for me anymore. Like, how do we actually stick to those boundaries around those must-haves and not let, you know, work pressure, the culture of the company impact that? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. I, I guess the best way I would, I, I, I could think mm -hmm. of right now to express this is, um, be open and transparent and communicate ahead. I'm here because um, this is what I want to get out of this opportunity. You're there to do work for your, for your employer to create outcomes and create impact. They're going to move their business forward, but what are they going to help you with? So that should be a two-way conversation that you can have with your manager to say, this is what I'm hoping to get out of this relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to do all those things you want me to do, but here's what I want. And these are the things I care most about. So first set the stage and make sure they have clarity to that. Some of them are going to meet you there mm -hmm. um, and they're going to help you with that. And you're going to find some managers aren't right. Like it's not going to be their priority. It's not how they manage. And hopefully they'll be able to flag that for you early on so that you have um, transparency and awareness. And then it's your, uh, it's up to you. It's up to each of us to say, you know, this is working or it's not working. If you've already communicated, you've been transparent with your management team about what you're hoping to get out of your employment. If you've explained that you're not getting it and you're not, and they're not responding with a plan to help you move in that direction, then it's time to start looking probably. And that's okay. Um, holding boundaries means you need to look elsewhere. I think the thing that's hardest um, as you go through your career is you don't want to disappoint people and you don't want to burn bridges because every experience is valuable and it builds on the next. And particularly when you're early in your career, um, you're building your resume, you're building your credibility in work um, and being a strong contributor. And so um, making sure you can, you can have that conversation so that you can have a productive conversation. And if an exit is required, have a thoughtful and a, um, you know, a healthy exit that allows you to maintain ties and, and feel good about how you've been able to move on. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit about having maybe a manager that doesn't want to see those must-haves or like meet those boundaries. So, cause I know we've all worked a job before where we've 
worked under someone who isn't the best. They don't have the best leadership qualities. They're not looking out for your best interests and theirs. So how do you have any specific tips to kind of work with someone who may be like that? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, one thing is if you've been building mentorship, mm -hmm. um, building mentors or connection to mentors inside the company, um, sometimes they can be a great sounding board, um, not to say work around your manager, but to say like, Hey, I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a mentor going to your HR department, because that is their job to help mediate and ensure that there's a highly engaged workforce. And if you're struggling and you don't have a mentor or another confidant internally that can help you work through that problem, mm -hmm. um, or how to approach that problem with your manager be because you're uncomfortable with it or they've already responded negatively to your approaches, um, then, then you should take those other steps to um, have those conversations. I, sometimes it's a, it's a communication mismatch, right? Like I didn't understand that, I didn't know. Um, I thought it was something else. So if you've given it, you know, like the good old college effort, as they say, um, and you've been open and you've been clear um, and things still don't seem to line up, then it's just wrong seat on the bus. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's going to happen here and there. Um, and, and you should, you know, invest in yourself and invest in your worth and find the right seat on the right bus mm -hmm. um, that helps continue to fulfill you um, will get you where you want to go. Yeah. I like that. I like that advice. And do you have any recommendations as far as what skills the people like graduating college should really tune in to and work on going into the current job climate that we're seeing today? Um, there's so many great, so many great avenues you could take. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to say like being entrepreneurial mm -hmm. is a really um widely sought after skill set. Whether you are actually an entrepreneur or not does not matter. I have never been an entrepreneur, um, but I have worked in entrepreneurial organizations. I have worked with entrepreneurs and I have adopted some of that, that mantra and approach to my work, which is think big, try small, test it out, see how you grow it, and then scale it over time. Um, and um, how to work through ambiguity. Um, you will inevitably in your career walk into a job that doesn't have a well-defined job description or the job description you applied for changes over the course of time as the business evolves, which is normal and appropriate, but your job description doesn't because there isn't the care or attention paid to it. And your job becomes a little bit more vague and a little bit more, there's more ambiguity to it. Being able to work through ambiguity, to be able to see problems and um, think creatively about how to solve them feel empowered um, and take the initiative to test them in a small way, prove out your thesis and then move them forward. Like, I don't know what problem you would run into in any career that would not be um, benefit from those skill sets. With the topic of like feeling underappreciated, this is kind of a little shift, but I know, like you said, 
there's a lot of ambiguity within your that sometimes comes up with working at a business and like you're going to have a job like that inevitably and I think along with that I think comes the idea of feeling undervalued maybe with where you're working or underappreciated or like your hard work and you're doing all these things outside of your job description isn't getting noticed or appreciated like is that something what what are your thoughts on that yeah I mean listen it happens all the time mm-hmm. um I would say more often than not um it is not because of ill intent Um, and so one of the things that I try and remember and ascribe by is to assume good intent Mm -hmm. in all cases, um, and then go have the conversation words matter. Let's communicate and be transparent about what we are experiencing. Um, particularly with your employer, I think some people, particularly women feel, um, less empowered to ask for what they want, to negotiate for what they want. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so like it, but it needs to be part of the process, right? Your employer as a manager, someone who manages teams and has for many years, um, it, it is, um, it hurts me. It's like, I get sad when I hear one of my employees say they're not happy and here's what's going on. Um, I would, and I tell all of my employees now, like, tell me right away. I'm this, my job is to help you be successful. If you are successful, I will be successful. And so tell me when it's not going right, because I want to help you unblock. I want to help fix whatever the situation is, or just provide advice and guidance so you can fix it. Um, but if we don't have an open line of communication, they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't help us. And so everyone's so busy in their jobs. Most of the time, they may not be able to intuit that you're struggling. They, no one has a crystal ball. I wish we did. So I guess I would say like, um, make sure that you are taking at least that step. And if you've taken that step and it's still not working again, you go back to your flags, like, okay, now it's time. I'm not, I don't have a good match with my manager. I don't have a good seat on this bus. This is the wrong bus. I'm going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have any resources like books, other podcasts, websites, like anything that you'd recommend to kind of help people with the topics that we've been talking about? Oh my goodness. Um, I don't listen to podcasts. Can you believe this? <laughs> um, I'm going to start though. Um, so um, I've read a lot of books, um, some that come to mind um, right away that are really excellent. And I keep going back to one is called Radical Candor. Um, I believe the author is Kim Scott. And it talks about how to communicate clearly with your, it's really designed for managers, but I think anyone, everyone should read it um, because it is the way we can all communicate with our colleagues and our peers to communicate clearly and consciously in a way that helps um, build trust and um, understanding in a relationship. Um, the book is great about talking about all the ways not to do it, um, Mm -hmm. as well. So it'll give you some cues on, um, and insights on that. I, I really like it, um, as a manager, but I think I've also, uh, or I don't think I have told my team members 
to read it as well, because I want them to know how to communicate with me and feel empowered um, to have the same sort of candid, open, transparent conversations um, so that we can unblock and we can work well together. So that's one that jumps out at me. I really love that one. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll have to check that one out. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was such a great talk. And I think you had so many valuable points about dealing with managers, handling the boundaries and red flags and just mentorship. I loved everything you had to say. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening and thank you for inviting me. And now I got to go listen. I got to go subscribe and listen to a whole bunch of podcasts so I can get up to speed. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.